0: Hi, I'm Elise.
1: I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek: Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek: Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series.
0: This week, we're talking about Season Three, Episode Eight, Meridian, teleplay by Marg Jared O'Connell and directed by Jonathan Frakes. This episode aired on November Fourteenth, nineteen ninety-four.
1: This week on Deep Space Nine, Jadzia falls in love with a scientist on a planet whose inhabitants shift between this universe and a plane of pure energy, re emerging every sixty years. Back on Deep Space Nine, Quark tries to obtain a hollow image of Major Kira for an erotic holosuite program for a wealthy patron. Ew.
0: Ew. <laughs> I'm just going to well, preempt I was least- just going to preempt your question and be like, yes, I remember this one and I hate it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I re- watching this episode this week, I think I might have been a little too hard last time on Civil Defense, which was- <laughs> Cuz yeah. like I truly hate this episode. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> hated an episode of Deep Space Nine this much in a while. Yeah, I feel <laughs> this, like this. This might be the worst episode of Deep Space Nine we've covered so far.
0: I feel like you're not wrong. Um, I can. am trying to remember what other ones were really bad. Like
1: we didn't like Qless. No, I, that much. was. I was we literally
0: had... about to say Qless. <laughs> Um, which always makes me feel like, wasn't so great. I, but I kind of vibed with it because I remember yeah. appreciating how ridiculous it was. I will say, well, I was, did watch this episode with AJ on Friday and I was like, oh, this is the one with Quark's legs. And he didn't remember what I was talking about. And when we got to it, I was like, these are the legs. <laughs> at the Uh, end it was very ridiculous yeah well and that's
1: like there's like interesting like factor because that again much like we talked about with civil defense last Mm -hmm. time the whole like what's supposed to be made like this ethereal like hollow like version of major that has quark's face as the like comeuppance um for like the whole story of the b plot that's one of those things that's become very like memeified yeah. out of context and like yeah it kind of is this this funny like come up it's moment but like i just think that whole plot is like problematic yeah it it's is a problem it is um but
0: i still think it's funny yeah <laughs> let no, me rephrase for sure. this i don't think it's like funny oh it's a guy instead of Kira's face. It's funny that it's Cork. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, I kind of no, feel totally like they're that. trying to I, I don't know that if that was like I get really cringe when like the joke is like, oh it's gay or whatever. Like that sucks. And I know you feel the same way. Um so I I didn't find it funny like for that. I just was like of course Cork's face is funny. I love him.
1: Well and what's interesting or I don't know if it's interesting, but um that the the it's not Nana visitor wearing yeah. the quark makeup in that scene as it was originally intended um because she showed up they started putting the quark makeup on but she had some like intense bouts of claustrophobia just a few episodes prior when right. she's in the Cardassian makeup for yes, second skin i had I think read that as we well. may have talked about that then we did um, but i and, read it
0: earlier today as well
1: yeah and like just it w- was having this like really bad like bout so it ended up being a double whose name i've i've forgotten that was right. in the quark makeup but
0: so little, when... little
1: interesting tidbit but like <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't we don't really think about a lot until it's like an actor who gets put in those heavy like prosthetics who isn't regularly in it like how hard it must be to be someone like Renee as Odo, or Armin Shiverman is Quark, or Max Grodencheck is Rom, or like any of these actors that regularly play with that level of like prostesis, right. prosthetics, um, yeah, to be able to melt and stuff, it's like
0: right because it's very different from like um Terry Farrell, like she has like the obviously makeup and stuff, but it's not like mm-hmm. consuming her eyes, nose, and mouth. Like that is the part I think I would have the hardest. The fact that it was like okay, this could affect my Breathing and eating and sneezing mm-hmm. and all of
1: that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then too, I was kind of like another like name check. This is and um, you we have it in the notes here. This is our, our first appearance of a a guest starring role by by Jeffrey Combs, who becomes a a Star Trek regular across Deep Space Nine and appears on Voyager, and then has another has a couple of reoccurring roles on Enterprise later mm-hmm. on. But like he never plays a human or a human appearing um right. character on star trek mm-hmm. there's always that level of of um prosthetic makeup on him so
0: yeah he plays um Tehran in this episode who is the quark's patron in the b plot and in case you don't realize he also plays weyoon and brunt who we haven't met yet um and his character on enterprise shran is like is and is great and all of these characters are so popular and jeffrey combs is just a really great guest to this world and i think it was i didn't realize that it was him at first um aj pointed it out and then of course i was like oh yeah totally um but it's this, his
1: voice right
0: yeah totally yeah for sure yeah. his voice is, but you can still see it in his eyes too i think um But yeah, me, I'm like gonna. I feel like I almost went off on a tangent about how Jeffrey Combs has very distinct eyes, but that is for another conversation. Um, Or for another section of the podcast. (laughs) Not so much. I did learn something really funny when I was reading up on this episode. Um, Jeffrey Combs originally auditioned for the role of Riker in TNG. Um, which I did not know, and it's funny because Jonathan Frakes, who plays Will Riker, obviously, um, directed this episode. <laughs> so it's kind of amusing. I was reading that Iris Stephen Bear had an idea to do, like, a Brigadoon type of episode, um, which is something I know very little about, so this does pose the question, would this episode have been better if it was a musical?
1: That's an interesting question. I've never actually seen Brigadoon either. Like, the, I think there's a film adaptation or the like stage version. What I do know about it, aside from it being referenced in the recent Apple TV Plus series *Schmigadoon*, which if you do like classic musicals of that era, I highly recommend you check out. It's fun. Um, but it does the Oklahoma thing where you have kind of a serious A-plot romance that's, like, the center of the show. And then there's the, like, B-story, if you will, in the musical, like, structurally is one that's, like, a little bit more, like, comedic. Right? So in... Yeah. So, like, Oklahoma does that, too. And I guess Brigadoon does that. And obviously this episode was
0: attempting to do that as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, like,
1: I I can see it there structurally. Um the thing with musicals, well, generally like this period of like musicals that we're like talking about, there really is that kind of like heightened sense of reality. And I think pulling some of it down into like, wow, I don't think Star Trek is like an especially grounded drama a lot of the times, but like you kind of put that heightened, that heightened reality of musicals and that structure a bit through the mid machine, like you—you you either needed to go bigger or do something different. But like, I don't think my problem with the episode is that it's attempting to do this kind of classic musical. Yeah, I Doom think that's structure. totally fine. It's just that it's—it's it's just that it's bad, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not like, and won't we'll get into it. But just like the a plot. I just think there's a lot of like weird character decisions there. Yes. And then the like. It's almost. I mean, I'll get into
0: it as well. The A plot for me is completely unbelievable. (laughs) We'll see. And like the B B plot.
1: And the B plot is played for comedy a lot. And like, yeah, I do think there are like in a vacuum some like amusing moments. Right. But if you stop and think about it for like two minutes. It's, like, such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. Because it's basically, like, Quark is hired to, like, deep fake Kira so that his client can have sex with fake Kira in the holo Suite because he got rejected by Kira. Like, that's... Ugh.
0: Yeah, there are many levels. Um, Before we get into that, which I definitely want to get into that... Um I just had a couple of things cuz I know that if we keep talking we will skip over this and go right into our problems with the plot which are many. Um there were a lot of scenes in this episode that actually were removed. I don't I, I don't know if they were filmed before or if they were removed before being filmed, but basically they were there was a scene where Cisco was playing that game with that little boy on Meridian. And then they had a scene where Quark was running away from Tyrann at some point in the episode, and another scene where they were trying to figure out how Dural could stay on Deep Space Nine. So it seems like they had a few problems with the script, (laughs) Um, and there were other things that were just omitted that, like the you know that were just unclear if they were where the what the specifications of those scenes were. this is relative to nothing, but before we get into it, I just wanted to say that Kira is absolutely correct on her take about hot coffee. There is something about having to wait a tad to drink it that adds to the experience, and I felt very seen in that moment. Whoever wrote that, obviously, is a um,
1: a <laughs> coffee drinker. Well, it's like the it's the ritual of it all, right? Yeah, what, for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm oh i just thought of Pond's cold cream
1: uh and if listeners aren't familiar that's uh, a reference to one of our favorite shows which we do reference a fair bit mad Men. Um, <laughs> so and, yeah the big- oh, sorry, i guess i don't have to explain it more than that but i'm just like because <laughs> uh, like peggy's like so good at looking into that and freddie's like no all these old old all these women just want Pond's cream so they can get a man Grand Dames, I'm Freddie Rumson, played by, uh, played by Fred Murray, Bill Murray's brother.
0: So, the B plot, which I guess is Quirk. <laughs> quirk saying the things I do for money. Like, girl, what don't you do for money? Like, what are you talking about here? <laughs> he would do anything for money. And it was just very. Um, I didn't find it amusing because he's such a, he's, I love Quark and he's a character that will definitely bend ethics and, but like, don't pretend he's being introspective about it. (laughs) The line did not work for me. Okay. So this is basically, I don't know. I'm just going to get into my problems. Please. I'm not here. By all means. I'm not here to criticize anyone's spank bank. Everyone should be (laughs) getting off thinking about whatever and whomever they want to. But actually using someone's likeness without their consent goes over the line for me. Um, I actually Mm -hmm. feel the same way about this that I do whenever like the Grammys try to do one of those like hollow recreate a dead person to sing or whenever a dead actor is de-aged in Star Trek. Sorry. Wow. I fucked that up. Or whenever a, a character from like Star Wars is de-aged, that's like now dead. Like I just don't like any of this. Um, uh, in general, I am very pro sexy hollow sweet programs, be it with an actor or a partner. You have consent to recreate in such an environment, as Paris Hilton says, that's hot. Otherwise, no, 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 no. I guess I said it pretty quickly, but like, yeah. I don't like it at all.
1: And I think there's, like, that added element, too, where it's, like, because Tyrion, I think that's how you say the name. I don't remember. doesn't matter. Um, Was, like, rejected and spurned, and, like, Kira wasn't interested. It almost... Then he wanted... Then he wanted Quark to make this, like, special program for him so he could, like, get his rocks off with with a fake Kira, and it's like
0: I'm like doing a vomit face right now. Just so yeah, know. it's like it has incel and revenge porn feelings to me. Like I just feel like he's angry and doing this, which bothers me too. You know, like that. Like it just feels really disgusting. Yeah, the only thing that I like about this, and I agree with you that there were moments within the plot that were amusing which i can't even pinpoint now because i'm like seeing red about the rest of it um good legs meme though i guess (laughs) i just yeah it's definitely over the line for me
1: yep it's not like there wasn't i think much consideration given to the ethics of like what was going on and like i don't I mean, I can't go back in time. I can't go back to when did this episode? What year? Ninety four. And like, you know, go what they were thinking. And like, I and I think too, this is like one of those like modern, contemporary lenses versus like thirty years, almost thirty years ago lenses. Because like the idea of like revenge porn or like deep fakes or like you know Photoshop right you know fakes even like going back to like a like 10 years later right like in like 2004 and things like that Mm -hmm. like before deep fakes was a thing but where like someone would photoshop um, yeah a celebrity's face on someone else's nude or whatever and then that circulate the internet um or even like hacked nudes like that happened like all the time like jennifer lawrence and stuff like that yeah yeah where where it's like They, we know that that's happened in like the twenty eight years since this episode aired, and I think you know, in the context of its own like environment, I can see how that's just kind of like a, you know, potentially fun plot, and then like in that kind of comedic heightened musical sort of way, um, the comeuppances that they they Kira and Quark figure it out, and or Kira and Odo figure it out in Quark's face becomes in in the program and that's you know the the comedic payoff and come up it's for the the grossness or like stuff that that's gone on and like taking the meaning the episode where it's at I get it cool like but it's it's just hard for me to put myself in that like 30 years ago like mental space when it comes to this right. plot right they specifically d-
0: probably didn't think that any of these things would be actually possible to do for real when they were writing yeah. this, um, yeah, I do have one con- one positive. Actually, real quick before we get into the plot A, there was a lot of Kira and Odo stuff that were happen that was happening in this episode that I didn't even write this in the notes um, that I found really interesting. Um, he's obviously helping her in this plot, kind of unwillingly at first. Um, she pretends that- to Teron that Odo is her lover. And he's very confused by it, and it. And she says, "Like thanks, Odo." Afterwards, but I feel like she does because they're different species. I think she, I think Odo deserves more of an explanation about what was going on than than he was given. Like I, I think he he understands eventually, but like he looked really thrown off by the whole thing. Um, and also I. On a more positive note, I found the the scene where um, Odo kept moving back and forth, and which would make Quark move like because he wasn't able to get a picture of Kira. Like that scene was kind of amusing, only because Odo was like testing a theory, and it and like it was right. Like so, the whole that whole interaction of them walking towards Quark, but I think that was. Funny to me only because of the camera angles, like the way that they filmed it rather than the actually like what was happening. Um, so I found the camera angles of that scene to be somewhat interesting. And that is me pulling out of a hat something positive to say about this plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Odo just seemed like a deer in headlights at the that first scene. That's That's all I mean. Like he just was like, huh, what? And then he like quickly plays along, but it just, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Do you want to get into the A plot?
0: Yes. Uh poof, a planet shows up out of nowhere in the gamma quadrant. <laughs> um I didn't really care about like that this was happening, but <laughs> like I didn't care that this planet showed up. Um I just found it boring. Like I just didn't care. That's how
1: I feel about this whole episode. I didn't really care what was happening.
0: So Jadzia falls in love with one of the planet, <laughs> one of these folks on this planet who happens to be Goodwin from Lost. Is Lost also about Brigadune?
1: Not to my knowledge. Um, L- Lost is about the friends we made. Lost no, is I about know the friends I the was line. just
0: thinking about and spoilers, Tessa, if you're listening because our friends Tessa and Sam have a Tessa Watches Lost um podcast and they have not gotten up to this part but I thought about when they when Ben moves the island <laughs> um mm. anyway mm. we do get some hot kissing which like okay it was like some passionate kissing in this episode which I did really appreciate um goodwin I know his name is Geral. I'm just going to call him Goodwin. Goodwin is cute. Jadzia, very cute. Kissing, very cute. So, like, that was kind of... um, That was, like, the best part of the episode for me was the kissing. (laughs) Is this a kissing book? Um,
1: (laughs) Uh, I should rewatch that. I haven't watched that in a while. It's good. So, Elise... This is gonna be a bit of a tangent, but I promise that oh, I it love has, a tangent. I promise that it has a point and my goal is to to bring it back around. Okay. Um so once in a while I will hyperfixate on like a certain food or like, you know, a certain cereal or whatever. So recently, after not having a box of life cereal in a very long time, I bought one and I'm like, oh, this is this is good. This is even better. Better than I remember, um so it's like not only would I have it for breakfast, it'd be like, oh, I'm kind of peckish. Like, what do I need it for? Like a mid afternoon kind of you know snack or whatever. Life cereal, right? And so like the box went by like really quickly, and it's just like all I all I'm thinking about, all I want to eat is life cereal. But that being said, it doesn't change the fact that life cereal in the grand scheme of food in general, um, is kind of bland and boring and you wouldn't want to eat it forever on any plane of existence. And that's basically what I think is going on with Jedzia and Dural in this episode, because Dural is just really, like, bland to me and, like, you know, the the kissing scene you described aside, I just, why would you blow up your life for this guy i don't really get it
0: i think (laughs) i don't get it yeah so i think i took it out of the notes but i basically called dural vanilla ice cream and at first like he's so boring like he's cute i guess but like that's not everything that is not even close to everything um there was so much back and forth on who was gonna move where i was like i don't give a shit about any of this um here's my thing I 100% agree with you. And also I did not know that serial tidbit about you. Um I hope that I hope that was true. Um
1: would I would never lie on the podcast. I know.
0: I know you never would. Um I'm not above moving somewhere for someone. I have done that in my life. Um it just in the manner that it happens in this, well, I guess it doesn't actually happen, but the in the manner it's going to happen in this episode feels so out of character for Jadzia. After every episode we've seen where she either talks about preparing to be joined, has that Trill intern for that one episode, goes back to her home world, and finds out that there was a host that was never recorded. I find all of her reactions to all of that make it extremely hard for me to believe she would drop all of that and her Starfleet career for a guy she met, like, a week ago. It really does not make sense to me. Um, it doesn't make sense. I just, nope, don't, don't understand it. It really feels so out of character for her. I mean, obviously she was never going to go because she continues to be on the show, but, like, watching it, I was just... This is so unbelievable to me. It really And honestly, part of me thinks to the beginning of the episode where Goodwin is like, Oh yeah, we always look forward to being humanoid because they've been non-corporeal for sixty years. And I'm like, dude's just horny. Like he just wants a bang. Like (laughs) he is not in love with you. He just like misses having sex. Um I have honestly, I only have one final thought on on the on the whole episode. I am a hundred percent sure, and by a hundred percent I mean I'm pulling this out of my ass and making this up. Yes. That this whole episode was just so Jazia could be like, Oh yeah, Cisco, when we meet again in sixty years, I'll call you old man. Like that was the whole impetus for this episode, I think.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah.
0: And that joke was pretty mid, if I'm being honest. <laughs>
1: Uh, like, okay, like, I know that, like, new relationship energy is, like, a thing. When you, like, first meet someone that you vibe with, and it's, like, it's fun, and it's exciting, and, you know, whatever. But, like, you would expect someone who has lived seven lifetimes to be able to kind of manage it and respond to it, like, in a different way than, like, how Jedzia does in this episode. And, like, I feel... And again, I don't know how Brigadoon ends, so, like, maybe (laughs) this is, like, the Brigadoon thing of it or not. Like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Um, But it, like, felt like they had this, like, because it's still, you know, episodic television and you need to, like, more or less return your pieces to where they started, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of my problems with a lot of, like, Star Trek romance episodes in general, um they had the ending figured out and work backwards and made Jedzia act in certain ways because they had to reset the toys at the end of the episode. Right. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but you still needed like the drama and like, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work for me. I didn't buy it. I didn't believe it. It's just, yeah, not great. I did, I did not enjoy it. Not a fan.
0: No, me neither. I really don't even have anything else to say about the episode. Like it was just,
1: yeah I don't I think little,
0: I I don't think the directing was necessarily bad like I thought the acting was fine um I the makeup on Jeffrey Combs was great I just the plot <laughs> was boring and obviously we were really bothered by um specifically the B plot the A plot bothered me cuz it was unbelievable and out of character the B plot was you know I said it already I'm not going to repeat myself yeah I do want to say because we're so meh about this episode that, in lieu of like having a nice transition, we do have a Thirst Quencher section planned still. <laughs> um, and I guess let's just get into that because there's <clears throat> nothing else to say, to I think.
1: So, Elise, you spoke earlier about like Spank Banks being cool and good. So, who's in your Spank Bank this week?
0: I will admit that when Dural. <laughs> slash goodwin asked jedzia how far her markings go and she replied all the way that i smirked a little bit i was like oh that's hot um i i almost got excited that there was going to be a Kira odo fake dating um trope happen but it was only that one scene in which odo is confused but normally uh, and that made it not hot but like love a fake dating thing normally but, like, both people have to know what's going on in, for that to work. <laughs> what about you?
1: Um, Kira, like, talking about the ritual of coffee and, like, how excited and stuff she was. It's just like, yes, please, I love that. more of that.
0: Yeah, I thought that was great. I kind of felt like um, I was trying to see if there was a iced coffee equivalent feeling, but I really don't think there is. Um as someone who drinks iced coffee pretty regularly also. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was like mm. you can tell she loves coffee and that <laughs> And this is really dumb, but like that is a trait that I find sexy. Like I lo- I am like into coffee and coffee drinkers. So, like I think that's great. That's actually <laughs> the 100% the reason why I'm in love with. Also a cab um, jack reacher he loves his um, <laughs> black coffee but like that's something that i notice in things like when there's coffee conversation
1: in that same scene there is kind of that like funny joke where they're like they're talking about food and the ritual of food and coffee and everything else and it was like yeah i used to try it but it was like disappointing because i don't have any taste buds and that it's made like me
0: so sad it was
1: messy um <laughs> and then it just that made me think of like the I can't remember if it had come out yet at this point. I don't remember what year it is, but like the Devon Sawa Casper movie. Oh where, like right. the three other like ghosts are like eating and then it comes out as like poop right or whatever. That just goes right through them and comes out as poop or some <laughs> shit. Like uh, this is like, oh did that happen the Odo? That um, movie
0: came but... out in um oh. Apparently when you Google Casper Devin Sawa, only Devon Sawa information comes up. Oh, here we go. Um, it came out in 1995, so obviously they were um, copying this. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> All right, Elise, what's your candidate for the most Star Trek thing about the episode?
0: Um, I would just say probably that Jeffrey Combs is in it. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think it's a one-off whirlwind romance, and I kind of, like, spoke about it earlier, how it, like, is doomed from the start because they don't want to upset the status quo too much. Right. And it's like... I'm going to leave Starfleet. I love them. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. See you I kinda, next week.
0: Yeah. I kind of feel like know, a one-off whirlwind romance is almost a most episodic television thing. Yeah. R- in addition to yeah. a Star Trek thing. Because I feel like a lot of yeah. episodic television has that in general. Like, they'll have, like, yeah. you know, that or, like, a, you know, a two episode. Even two episodes, I still feel like it would have been, <laughs> it would have counted. But, Yeah. Is this is this our shortest episode yet?
1: (laughs) I mean, probably, but that's okay. (laughs) That is all right, Elise. (laughs) Until next time, where can folks find more of you on the internet?
0: You can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Elise underscore tendy E L Y S E underscore T E N D I, and you.
1: Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at at Hugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch both of us together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRates. And you can also email us at PodRates at gmail.com.
0: Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. Thank you to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And thank you to our editor, Melissa.
1: And until next time, computer and program.
0: Bye.